0: We are in a season called Lent, and this is the six weeks leading up to Easter as we prepare our hearts and our minds for the fact that, yes, Jesus Christ died and to pay for our sins, but also then that he was raised to life to show that he is the victorious one. And so in just four short weeks, we're going to gather in this room on a Friday night. Remember that he was crucified and so I would hope that you'd mark that. April 14th, Friday night, we'll be here. And then a couple days later, we will remember that He is alive, that He is the victorious King. And so we are preparing our hearts for that. Well, today what I want to do is I want us to continue to consider Jesus through His life, through His teaching. The fact that He is the King and He rules over a kingdom now and for all eternity. So we're going to look at that today. I hope you have your Bibles with you. We're going to be in Luke chapter 14. So either turn in your Bible or open your tablet or grab the Bible sitting in front of you. Luke chapter 14, page 873, if you want to use this Bible sitting in front of you. And as we look at this story today, it's going to help us to understand what it looks like to live in the kingdom You're going to see today as Jesus, as he teaches and as he lives, what it looks like to live in this kingdom right now. This isn't just for someday when we die and we live with God forever, but it's even how to live in this kingdom today. And so let's read some of this. I want to read the first 11 verses. So if you turn to Luke chapter 14 with me, follow along as I read those first 11 verses. One Sabbath... When he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. This is speaking of Jesus. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. I'll explain that in a little bit. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed this man and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. So now Jesus told a parable to those who were invited. And when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place. So when, your host, so when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's start there today, and I'll read a little bit more of this with you. But let's go back and look at this. What's happening here? Because what we're doing is, if you're reading along with us, and you'll see at the back of the notes on the bottom it says, this week you could read chapters Luke 12 through 16, and this would be one of the things you'd be reading this week. As you read this, you can read it just as fast as I read that and said, okay, maybe there was something in that last verse that I could catch and apply. But let me show you that there's so much in Jesus' teachings here today. What's happening here? Let me start by noticing three things. And if you're taking notes, let me uh, have you write these down. First of all, he says uh, we see that he's at a key Pharisee's house. This is important. As you're reading this, consider the setting. Consider what's happening, what's going on. We know this, that when he's at this person's house, he invited Jesus, this religious leader, and part of this is to pick at Jesus. We know this, as we talked about last week. Somebody else engages in Jesus to test him. In this case, they're looking to pick him apart, to find a fault, to be critical. It also said this, that they met on a Sabbath. This was a day set apart by God. It's one of the Ten Commandments that you should have this day and it should be separate. It should be a different day. It should be a day where you focus on God. It's a day to rest. It's a day not to work. It's a day to worship God. If we want to say it this way, it's a day to focus on God and His provision. Now God said this, and you can find this in Exodus chapter 20. God says, I want you to have one special day. And the, the, certain commandments you would get, don't murder, that one makes sense. Don't commit adultery, that one makes sense. Don't steal, that one makes sense. But he says, I want you to have a special day. We'll call it the Sabbath, the day of rest. I want you to keep it separate, and I don't want you to work on that day. Okay, that's, that's a weird one, God. Why, that, that's really one of your biggies to take a day off? Okay. Part of that is an identity question. If we ask each other, and maybe you should even try this before you leave today, just, hi, tell me a little about yourself. One of the first things we might say is, I work at, it's just part of our identity. This is who we are. You introduce, or you introduce yourself to me and me to you, and I'd say, hi, I'm Scott Miller. And sometimes I might say, well, I'm a pastor at Willamette Community Church. It's just part of my identity. It's who I am. Part of what God was saying is, I want you to take a day off. I don't want you to work because your identity is not based on how much you can produce. It's not really based on what you can do. Your core identity is who you are in the eyes of God. And one day a week, you should remember that identity. You should remember you're more than what you produce at work. It's more than what you do at school. Your identity is that you are a loved child of God. And so this is a day where the Jewish people would remember it's a day we focus on God and we worship him and we reflect on him. And we remember everything comes from him. He's the provider. My identity truly comes from him. And so here they are at the key Pharisees' house. It's a day to focus on God and his provisions. They're resting. They're not working. And I want you to notice this. They're gathering to eat. Write this down, if you would. They're gathering to eat. Because this is important in the story. Jesus has been invited to dine at this man's house. So they're going to eat. Jesus uses this opportunity to have some good conversations. And so really there is just one big story that we hear today. But there are three stories in this. And so I want to start with story number one. Story number one. And this is Luke's account of this story. He's a doctor. He's writing all this. And he says this in verse 2. Follow along if you would. And behold, there was a man before Jesus who had dropsy. Means he's retaining water. He's uncomfortable. He should be going to urgent care. He needs some kind of treatment. But he can't do that right now. And Jesus responded to the experts of the law and the Pharisees. Their job was to understand this and to tell people what it says. They were to understand the heart of God and relay that to others. Jesus responded to them saying, Is it lawful to heal this gentleman on the Sabbath or not? And they remained silent. Why? Now, they know the law. Exodus chapter 20, it says, you shall on this day keep it separate and you shall do no work. Now, when they start reading that no work, they start asking other questions. Well, what is work? I mean, how far can I walk? Is walking work? Can I walk a mile? Well, if I walk a mile, I might start to sweat. If I'm sweating, that might mean work. So they started making laws from the laws. Well, I can only walk so much. Can I eat? Doesn't that make my stomach work? Should I do that? Well, okay, we can eat, but can we heal somebody on the Sabbath? That's work. I don't know. We haven't processed this one, Jesus. So here they are asking this. They certainly want to honor God. This is a good thing. They want to respect his laws, and they had to make judgments at time. What's actually work? So Jesus asks this question, is it lawful to heal this person, or would you call this work? Now, I find this quite interesting because Jesus could have whispered to the guy and said, come see me tomorrow. I'll take care of this. No copay. All right. Maybe he could have seen him yesterday and said, you know what, tomorrow's the Sabbath. Let's take care of this today because tomorrow, no work day, so let's get this done now. Jesus waits to the Sabbath day, gets invited to the place with the Pharisees, the experts of the law, and says, is it okay if I heal this guy? They don't know. They don't know how to answer this. Jesus really wants to get to the heart of something greater than defining what's worth, doesn't he? He could have waited and healed this guy later. Jesus wants to get to the heart of something. He's always wanting to get at the heart of something. Even today, Jesus doesn't want you just to put your behind in a pew. He wants to get at the heart of something in every single one of our lives. And he's doing that here. So he asked them, is it okay to heal a person? They were silent. Verse 4, read this. Then Jesus took him and healed him. And sent him away. Don't lose sight of this. When I read this before, and I just kind of meant to run through this the first time I read this. We kind of read this, yeah, and Jesus saw somebody and healed him. And, you know, it's like, okay, we expect Jesus to do that. That's crazy, isn't it? I mean, if somebody came in with a massive ailment and Jesus heals them, today we'd go, oh, my land, you got to hear this. I mean, you'd write this connect- on the connection card with exclamation points. Guess what Jesus did for me? Don't lose sight of this, that Jesus brings healing. He is this king of the universe. He's not just some king. I mean, I hear that LeBron James is a king, all right? He's a pretty good basketball player, but he loses. Then I hear it's almost baseball season. I'm a Mariner fan, King Felix, all right? A lot of people call him the king. Every time I go see him, he's terrible. I'm like, if he were really the king, he'd do something. This Jesus that we're talking about is the king of the universe. And Jesus, he heals this man. And by doing this, he does work on the Sabbath. So verse 5, follow along as I read this. So he said to them who were watching, he said, Now which of you, having a son or a valuable ox, that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately go pull him out? And they couldn't reply to these things. He said, if your son fell into a well and was dying, you wouldn't have any problem with the law. You'd say, that's my son. You'd go get him. If your valuable ox did this, you'd have no problem with the law. You'd go get him. Jesus says, why why are you not answering my question here? I think one of the things Jesus is doing here is elevating the value of a person, a sick person. Jesus is saying this, that people matter to him. People matter to God. I want you to know this today about you. You matter to God. You may have walked in here today doubting that, like, I'm not sure God notices me. Maybe because of my past. Maybe because of what I did this last week. I don't think I matter to God. He hasn't answered my prayers the way I want. I want you to know this, that you do matter to God. Even in his silence, he says, oh, you matter so much, and I'm working something for good. You've got to trust me, but you matter to me. And I think this is what Jesus is showing, that all people matter to God. I think one of the things I notice in this passage as well is that sometimes we let religion get in the way of what is truly important, which is honoring God and loving people. Sometimes we just allow our religious ways, our tradition, our own rules get in the way of what is truly important, which is honoring and loving God and loving people. I was trying to think of different ways that sometimes we let religion get in the way. Our church, Willamette Community Church, we are, uh, at one time we're known as the very first Baptist church of Albany, Oregon, right? Right? Same church. We've got a history of 150 years. Later in the fall, we'll celebrate the fact that we're 150 years old. Not many of us are that old in here, but you know, our church organization is that old. There was probably a time in the church's history that if I walked up onto the stage in blue jeans and an untucked shirt, they would have said, Don't you dare open the God or the Word of God and try to share it with us. You're wearing jeans. Go back and put on your three-piece suit with a good-looking tie, and then we would hear from you. I imagine that was part of our tradition. Any nodding, like anybody who's maybe older than me? Okay, yeah, yeah. I remember one time preaching here in jeans, and somebody came up to me and said, you're not preaching today, are you? Because you're wearing jeans. I'm like, that's a little bit of religion, tradition, right? Sometimes we allow that to get into the way of what is truly important, which is honoring God... And loving people. Can you honor God and love people in blue jeans? I think so. That's specifically why I wore them today. All right. Anyway, where are we at here? following rules. I I was thinking this, sometimes even for the sake of religion, some of us say this, because I've done it at my home before, where we say, hurry up, get in the car, we're running late for church, and we get mad at our spouse, we get mad at our kids, because we're going to church where we have to put on a mask, right? I don't know if you've ever done, some of you maybe did that today even, and then I'd be sitting here next to my wife and say, man, I'm sorry, For the sake of religion and going to church and trying to honor God, I actually dishonored you, honey, or our kids. I found a way to fix that problem, and it's just to show up here before my family wakes up on a Sunday. So you might want to try that. We'll open the door for you here, 6.30 in the morning if you want. But I think sometimes for these people and what Jesus was saying, religion gets in the way of what is truly important now, the Pharisees, they were trying to honor God, yet they neglect this man. And that doesn't honor God. That doesn't honor God's creation. And so sometimes I think we try to honor God by doing certain things right. But actually, when we dishonor people, disrespect people, that's dishonoring to God. And sometimes we even call it religion religion. Now go to this second story. It's all part of this one big story. So Jesus told a story. Story number two, I'll call it. Jesus told a parable. It was a a teaching moment. Verse 7, follow along. Now Jesus told a parable to those who were invited. So now he's speaking to those who were invited like himself. When he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast... Would you underline that real quickly? Do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he gives, and he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But, verse 10, when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus noticed that they kind of fight for the best spot. Okay, the guy who's hosting this party, he sits here, and they're all sitting here fighting for this. Jesus' disciples did this, too. Jesus is walking around, and his disciples at times were saying, hey, can I sit next to you in your kingdom? Can I be at your right side? I mean, this is just something in us. We just want to be with the cool kids, right? Now let's go back to verse 8 real quickly. It says, wedding feast. I want you to write this down because wedding feast is synonymous for kingdom of God. When you see language like this, and when Jesus is talking wedding feast, he's not just talking an ordinary wedding. He's talking, I want to talk to you about a bigger wedding feast, the kingdom of God. We have these weddings, and we come in, and we dress all up, and then we go and have a little lunch or something. But these turned into week-long parties. They were massive parties. But Jesus is saying... I want to talk about the kingdom of God here. Now notice, there wasn't a wedding going on, was there? But Jesus says, when you're invited to a wedding feast, we'll catch up with that a little later, when you're invited to the kingdom of heaven, there's something about humility here. These people are choosing the places of honor, the the place near the, the most important person. I couldn't help but think of high school lunchroom, all right? You'd walk in there and look for the cool kid and think, man, could I get in there by the cool kid? I was not that kid. I'd be like, oh, man, all the cool football players are over there. I'll sit over here. I wished. I wished. Though if I would have gone over there with the cool kids, they would have said, hey, Miller, Scrawny Miller, get out of here. Very embarrassing. So I just chose the lowly seat, right? Some of you did the same thing. You remember this. But I think what Jesus is saying here is that those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is an attitude of the heart. Jesus is getting at something deeper. And he says, if you would humble yourselves, you will be exalted. I see you guys wanting to hang out with this ruler of the religious leaders. But if you would humble yourself, you're really going to be exalted in the kingdom of heaven. You're so caught up in being in the cool crowd now. Now, this is important for us to live, how to live in the kingdom, because God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the what? The humble. This is not just where you, how you pick your seats at a party, but this is how we live, how, who we associate with. Go to verse 12. He said also to the man who had invited him, so he's been talking to this crowd around the center table, but he also speaks to the man who invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. That's weird, Jesus, why? Lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. You will be repaid later in God's kingdom. Now these are pretty fascinating words here that Jesus is saying. This guest invited prominent people. I'm a prominent person. I'll invite other prominent people. I'll bring in this Jesus. He's got a big fanfare. I'll bring in these people. Jesus says, listen, when you throw some of these parties, invite some others. This is not saying that you can never have family or dinner with your families. You should. This isn't saying you can never have dinner with your friends. You should. But as I've read this before, it's like, who else do I invite? Because I invite my friends a lot. I want to invite some people that, well, if I invite them, maybe they'll invite me the next time. Maybe it's just different than the high school lunchroom thing. It's still the same thing. I want to hang out with cool people, right? Then they'll think I'm cool. Now, there's this message to the host that Jesus gives message to the host. He's talking about a banquet. Some of your Bibles said supper, but the idea here, banquet, this is another code word for kingdom of heaven. He says, when you throw a banquet, like I'm talking kingdom of heaven, I'm not just talking about this party here. I'm giving you the heart of God, I'm telling you something about who God's inviting to his banquet. He says, what type of people are you willing to invite? Just the ones who can repay you? Just the wealthy ones who can throw another good party for you? But he says this, if you would invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, invite some people that cannot repay you. Because here's what's going to happen. God's not going to overlook who you invited. God will notice. God will repay you at the great banquet. But you, my Pharisee friend, you're just surrounding yourselves by all the cool kids. I think it helps us uh, answer this question of who we want to love, who, who we show love to. I'm going to ask you to consider this. Consider what type of people you love. Consider what type of people you invite. Who comes into your house? Who, who do you call to hang out with? When Jesus is looking at this man, he says, I just see you inviting fellow people like yourself that can repay you. I think we have to look at that ourselves and say, if Jesus is asking us that, who do we show love to? The ones who can bless us? Or only the ones that we can bless? In your notes, it has this passage, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. I'd encourage you to look at it later. When Jesus starts his ministry, he says, let me tell you what I'm doing. I am going to preach the good news to the poor. That's where I'm going. I am going to help the blind to see. He said, this is my ministry. He didn't say, you know what, I'm the cool guy because I'm actually God. I've come down from heaven and I'm just looking for other cool ones. He said, I'm coming for the poor and the blind. And that's actually good news for us because that's who we were, right? If you're getting what I'm talking about, if you're getting Jesus, it's once you were spiritually blind, but God has opened your eyes because Jesus came for you. If you understand this, it's because you understood you were poor in spirit, that you needed a Savior. You said, Jesus, save me. I got nothing. And he says, then I'm going to make you rich and include you into my family. Now, as we look at this, go to verse 15. Verse 15. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to Jesus, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. I think he's saying, man, we are so blessed. We got this Jesus here and we got this group and we are the church leaders and God must love us. Woo! I mean, I get that you're talking kingdom of God, but I'm glad we're in it. I mean, we're the leaders of the church. We are the best of the best. You have a party, there's always one guy like this, right? Some obnoxious goofball who actually doesn't understand that Jesus is poking at them saying, you're the ones not living the kingdom life. I think it's quite funny what he's saying here. Jesus is saying, actually, you have some fatal flaws. Actually, the kingdom may not even be for you because you're, you don't think you're poor and blind you think you're rich and you've got it all figured out. So go to, let's go to the third story in this one big story, verse 16. And so Jesus said to him, in response to him thinking, man, I'm in the kingdom of God, he said, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say, To those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Verse 18, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, "Uh, I bought a field and I must go and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, well, I bought five yoke of oxen and I need to go examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Verse 21, so the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house became angry, and he said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of of the city and bring in the poor, bring in the crippled, bring, bring, bring in the blind and the lame. We've heard Jesus talk about this already. The servant said, Sir, what you've commanded has already been done, and still there is room. I mean, I invited the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. There's still room. Verse 23. And the master said to his servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Ouch! And this guy's saying, oh, man, we are so blessed. We go to Willamette Community Church. We show up all the time. I got this really big Bible. You know, woo, it's so good. We're blessed. Jesus says to these church elite, he says, let me tell you a story here. Yes, God has a big banquet. He has made an invitation. But... As I read this story, I I made some notes and I want to share them with you for the great banquet, the ultimate banquet, the time when we will be with the Lord. It will be a feast nonstop as we rule and we reign a new heaven and a new earth with Jesus. For this great banquet, I want you to hear this. Invitations are given. Invitations are given. God gives invitations for this. Some of you have heard this invitation That come as you are. God accepts the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind. Yes, physically, but more figuratively, God accepts those people. The invitation is out there for every single one of us. The invitation then is to humble yourself. To receive Jesus. Now... It's not a religious thing. It's like, I'm trying to do really good. It's not about trying to do really good. Your sin has totally crippled you. The only way to find healing is through Jesus. And the question is, do you want to be a part of God's family? Do you want to be part of the king's family? And when we humbly say, Jesus, I need you, and I know many of you in this room, and you have said, I have acknowledged that, I have followed Jesus. When you said, Jesus, I humbly say that I need you, what happened was you married up. All right? Here's Jesus, the groom. We became his bride. We married into his family. He took a crippled, lame, poor, blind person like me and included me. woo but as I read this, I notice a couple other things. Not only are invitations given, but notice what happens. Many are busy. The invitation's out there to everyone. Humble yourself and follow Jesus. And, and some say, ah, I'm just too busy. I mean, I, I bought a field. I bought this thing, and I need to take care of it. So I'm actually going to have to say no to you, God. I'll, I'll later work, try to work off my debt for you. But I'm busy right now. I wonder if that's ever us. Many are distracted as I look at this. Well, I, I bought five oxen or a few new cars or a bigger TV. I, I need to spend time with the car or the TV. and So I'm going to have to say no to you, God, right now. I'm a little distracted. Many I see in this are selfish. I mean, I just got married. I want what I want, Jesus. So I'm going to spend time with my spouse. I'm going to have to say no to you right now. I think you and I do this, don't we? Let me differentiate a little bit. Yes, we can receive the invitation and be included into his family, and many of you have. And at moments, we get busy and distracted and selfish. But we are in his family. And I think the call, if we're in his family, to say, you know what, let's not get busy and distracted and selfish and let's follow Jesus. Jesus, as he says this, though, he's saying this to church people. I guess I would, as a spiritual shepherd here, I I would be so hurt to find out one day that there were people here that just put on the good front And Jesus said, I actually never knew you. You showed up and you gave some money and some time, but I never knew you. The invitation is out there to be included into his family. Maybe some of you, even today, for the very first time are going to say, man, I'm going to take this invitation. I just, I need this. Hopefully, these words of Jesus bring some conviction. I usually don't say that, but I'm hoping these words bring some conviction to us. I know they do to me. This is to examine our hearts. I mean, when do you and I say things like, God, I'm just too busy right now? No. I'm too selfish. No. The religious leaders of the day, they, they basically said that to Jesus. They rejected him. I know we do at times, we all do at times, but I hope this isn't our pattern of life. Some of it accepted the invitation. We get lost in our own ways. Today's even a time to return and just say, I, I've received the invitation, I'm in your family, but I'm just gonna acknowledge I get lost in my own ways at times. Some of you today have never accepted that invitation and you are lost in your own ways. And today is a day to receive that invitation and say, I want it. I want to be included into this family at this banquet. And as I look at this, I want you to write this down, that the heart of God is to have his house full. This is what he wants. He doesn't sit there and say, you know what? I only want the best of the best. He says, I actually am looking for the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And unless you can identify yourself as that, you really have no part of me. So I don't mind saying, you know what? I was spiritually blind. I needed Jesus to open my eyes. I was crippled and lame by sin. I could not fix myself. Jesus had to do that. I was poor in spirit. I just had nothing to offer to God. That's what I'm saying. And that's who Jesus comes after. That's who he fills his house with. So as I'm... Looking at this, I thought, okay, what's this going to mean for us? Uh, Let me wrap it up with a couple thoughts here. So what? So what for us today? As I prepare for the great banquet, because a great banquet is coming, I look forward to that. I sat with Gladys Halverson. She's been a part of our church for years. Her body is failing her. She knows that her time is probably near. I said to her this week, I said, you know what, Gladys? There's a great banquet coming. And she's like, amen. And some of our loved ones have already gone to be a part. And they're they're just waiting for us. And that one day that will all happen, right? As we are preparing for the great banquet, let me ask you three questions today to examine your own heart. Three questions. Because this great banquet is coming. And you have been invited And if you've never heard that before, I'm telling you, you're invited today. I'm inviting you on behalf of Jesus. You're invited to this great banquet. Three questions. One, first one, in what ways do I need to humble myself before God? Write this down. Consider this. Not just this morning, but consider this this week, the rest of your life. In what ways do I need to humble myself before God? For some of us, it's, to take off a mask. We come here every Sunday, and we kind of put on a mask. Somebody reminded me of that this week, and he says, man, I come to church, and just everybody's got it together, but I don't. I said, are you kidding me? I said, I am so sorry that you think that, but hold on. Let me take off my mask for a bit, and let me just show you some of my flaws. I go every single one of us have those flaws. This is why we need Jesus. Maybe you have to take off a mask and share that with somebody. Now, I don't know what that means for you. Maybe that's humbly saying, Jesus, I, you know what? I believe your word is food for my soul, and so I will read it. I've kind of just said, eh, I know that story. In what ways do I need to humble myself before God? That's for you to hear from God and to let him help you answer that. Second question I have for you this. Who should I invite into my life? This week I was walking home. I see one of my neighbors. And he says, did you hear the news? I'm like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, our neighbor just passed away. I'm like, no. I, just, I was talking to her Monday. We were just talking about how good the weather was, and we were having fun. And, and I walked away, and I said, you know what? I've lived there for two and a half years, and I wanted to invite her into my house, and I never did. And I don't have a chance. I got to go into her house. We had multiple conversations But I didn't invite her into my house. I didn't have all the conversations I wanted to have with her. And I'm like, oh. Some of that was fear. Sometimes probably out of self-righteousness. I, you know. God was saying to me as I was reading this, Scott, who are you supposed to invite into your life? Sometimes into your home, sometimes out for lunch. Who are you just supposed to have conversations with? This Pharisee invites Jesus to poke at him. He invites just the cool kids. That's not what Jesus did when he invited us. Who were you supposed to invite? When you hear from the Lord, and I feel like, okay, Lord, I've invited those people. And he's like, good job. But I also wanted you to invite that person too. And all right, you don't get to. <laughs> It doesn't always mean that you have to always invite certain people. But, again, I would just talk to God on this one. God, who am I supposed to invite into my life? And then be obedient with that. Wrestle with God on that. Like, God, I really don't want to. You can tell him that. He knows you're thinking that anyway. Who should I invite into my life? And then lastly... Consider this question, if you would. What are my excuses that keep me from God? What are my excuses that keep me from God? I don't know what that means from you. What are your excuses that keep you from worshiping with us at church? What are your excuses from obeying God? What are your excuses from reading his word? What are your excuses from serving, from giving of your time and your energy and your resources? We all have these excuses, And what I would want from us is be able to stand before the Lord and say, no excuses. I, certainly we're going to sin. We're going to fail. But, Lord, I, I don't want to say I'm busy. I don't want to say I'm distracted. I don't even want to say I'm selfish. And that's so difficult because I am. But what are the excuses you have that keep you from God? God. I'm going to ask that you do this. Maybe you keep your notes in front of you. Maybe you write some things. Maybe you just bow your head and pray. But I'd like you to reflect for a moment before we close up here today. This is not just me sharing a few words and then you leaving. I would hope that especially these three questions, what ways do I need to humble myself? Who should I be inviting into my life? What are my excuses that keep me from God? I, I would hope that you would... Ask them to God. Let him speak them to your heart. Would you just bow your head with me and reflect, listen? Because in a sense, we are this religious crowd that Jesus is talking to. Humble yourself. Be willing to give of yourself. To associate with those in low position. Who are you to invite into your life? What is God saying? What are your excuses? Heavenly Father... uh, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this encounter on this Sabbath day that we read about. I thank you, Jesus, for the healing power that you had, but maybe even more importantly than that, that you had a heart for a crippled, sick man. But Jesus, you had a heart for the religious, and that's who we identify with as well. We can identify with the crippled man, but we can identify with the religious people too, because on a glorious Sunday morning, we are inside this room wanting to hear from you. And so there's good in that, that we would want to hear from you, but there's also religion in that, that this is what we do all the time. So Jesus, would you shape us? I I pray for my brothers and sisters out here that you would help us to know this great truth that we've been invited to the wedding feast, the banquet with you for all time. (laughs) Wow, us, we got included into that? So would you help us to live in response to that, to love you with all of our hearts, to love our neighbors as ourselves? God, I pray for those here today that have heard this invitation and have just never accepted it. That they would simply say, today I take this gift. I take your life, Jesus. I need the forgiveness of sins. I need into your family. I need healing. And I thank you that at that moment you give that to us. And so as we close in singing today, continue to speak to us empty us of our selfish and busy and distracted lives, that we would pursue you, the one who loved us, first loved us, who invited us, who is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love for us. And We pray this in Jesus' name.